Good morning, Edinburgh Church. How are we? It's good to be here with you. Um, Way to go, everyone, getting out and making it here this morning. Uh, If you're watching online, hey, I want to give you a warm welcome as, as, as well. We consider you a part of our church family. And if you are a guest with us this morning, um, we're, we're, we're glad you're here. Um, we are doing something a little different this morning. We're going to be taking our offering at the end of service. And if you are a guest, I just want you to hear, don't feel like you got to sign up for anything or, or give anything. We're just glad that you're here. This morning is a little bit of a different kind of Sunday because I'm going to be just kind of vision casting for us and, and talking about what we are all about um, as a church. There's, there's uh, many things that we are passionate about here at Edinburgh. Uh, we are excited for our small group launch uh, that's about to, to, to take off in October. Would really encourage you to be at that October 13th get-together, um, that launch party. Find a group that's right for you. I mean, just imagine having people praying for you, caring for you, studying God's word together. I mean, we all need that. We're passionate about seeing people serve. We're passionate about people being generous. Um, But if I were to be totally honest with you, the thing that we're the most passionate about as a church is seeing someone's life transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, That's what excites us. That's the heartbeat of of this church is to see someone's life transformed. Uh, To see someone receive the greatest news there is in the world, which is that God loves you. He loves every single one of you, and he loves every single person in the world, and he desires to have a relationship with every single person through faith in Christ. That's the heartbeat of this, of this church. Uh, it was a few months ago, I came in, I wasn't doing the speaking that morning, and so I never quite know what to do with myself on the mornings. I'm not, I'm not speaking, but I, I kind of found a, a, a row uh, where I could kind of sit by myself. Danielle was serving, so I didn't even have her with me. And um, I'm sitting there getting ready for the service to start when a single guy, or at least he was by himself, is looking for a spot, and he starts coming down my row. I could see the look in his eye when he realized he had chosen my row. All right, but at that point, he had already committed to it, I could kind of tell there was this part of him that he was wondering if he could somehow get out of this decision he had made, but he knew that I knew, that he knew that I had been spotted, and so he basically had to commit to it, and of course, he kept a couple seats, you know, between us. Um, I reached over and just said, hi, I've never seen you before. I introduced myself, and this guy, you could tell, I could see it in his eyes. He wanted to just pass out, having to sit next to the lead pastor through the service, the, the, the pressure this guy must have been feeling, I get that. Uh, but after the service, and after he'd relaxed a little bit, the first thing he did when the service ended is he, he came over to me and he said, um, I've got to tell you what this church has meant for me and my family. Some friends invited us a few months earlier, and uh, we were scared and nervous, didn't think we were going to go, but we're struggling with our daughter right now. And he said we were desperate and we didn't know what to do. So we said, what do we have to lose? And we took him up on this offer. And he said, we came in and the people here were so welcoming. He said they were authentic. He said we had all kinds of stereotypes of what the church is and what the church is about. But he said that wasn't our experience at all. And we came in here and he said when the worship began and the message was given, he said it felt like God was talking right at me, like I was the only guy in the room. And he said for the first time in a long time, he said my family had hope again. 
And I heard that and I started thinking, man, this is somebody with a story. This is somebody who has a story. And then I started thinking, you all, you have a story. It might be different from this family's story, but we all have a a son. We all have a daughter. We all have that friend. We all have a mom, a dad, a spouse. Some of us were just dealing with anxiety. Some of us were dealing with, with worry and fear or conflict in the workplace or, or in the home or maybe just disappointed with God and, and the church. And that's normal because we're all human beings. And we all have a story. And I was so glad that this guy had come to Edinburgh Church and had heard the good news and had left with some hope and it started coming and his family was getting plugged in and he was starting to grow in his relationship with Jesus. Friends, that's what we're about. That's, that's the heartbeat of what we do here. You know, last year we saw 119 people make a first-time decision for Jesus Christ. That excites us. It gets us pumped up around here. 119 people came through these doors. This year we, we've already seen 24 people make a decision for, for their life. And it's not about the numbers. I want you to know this. That's not what gets us excited. It's not the number. It's that each one of these numbers has a name. And that name comes with a story. And God cares about every single person's story. I just want to tell you what I believe. This is what I believe uh, from the bottom of my heart. I believe that the church is the hope of the world. I believe that. That the church has been entrusted with the most powerful message there is. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 1.6. He says, this same good news, talking about the gospel here, that came to you is going out all over the world. It is changing lives everywhere. Just as it has changed yours the very first day you believed the truth about God's great kindness. Listen to that. Don't miss that. God's great kindness to sinners. Ephesians 3.10, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, God's intent was that through the church, underline that, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to all mankind. What is the manifold wisdom of God, friends? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the good news that sinners like you and me who were separated from God because of our sin can come into a relationship, a vibrant, living relationship with the living God. We were separated from God. And God is a God of justice. He he can't just tolerate sin. He's so holy. That's a problem. But the other problem for God is that he's a loving God. And he's a kind-hearted God, full of compassion. And so what is he going to do? On one hand, he's got to deal with sin. On the other hand, he loves us and wants to spend eternity with us. What did he do? He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross and absorb our sin and absorb that justice in his body on the tree, on the cross, so that it would be dealt with there and laid in a tomb, past, present, future, dealt with there, so that we could then be clothed with the righteousness of Christ and could come into an eternal relationship with him. Are you hearing the manifold wisdom of God comes through the proclamation of the local church? And friends, I, I can't tell you, I can't think of anything more excited to give your life to. I just can't. I can't think of anything more intentional, more purposeful to give your life to. 
and seeing lives changed and being part of this thing called the local church where this great news has been entrusted. I, I, I just can't think of anything more exciting than to see someone's life eternally transformed through this good news. And part of that is because I don't believe there's anything else that can change a human heart. That, that's the problem with culture today. We're trying to use all these external ways to change people's hearts, to change people's, at least their behavior. But we forget it, it starts with the heart. And I'm telling you, government can't change the human heart. A business can't change a human heart. You know, education can enlighten the mind, but rarely does it, does it change someone's heart. The only thing that can change a human heart is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It can take a hateful person and it can make them loving. It can take a greedy person and make them generous. It, it can take... A person who feels dejected and hopeless. And it can give them hope again. And they're God. It can take a person full of prejudice. And it can make them more inclusive. And that's what the gospel of Jesus Christ does for us. This last summer in August, we, we celebrated 33 baptisms and some individuals gave their story and talked about how Edinburgh had, had played a part in changing their life. And uh, I want you to hear John Davenport's testimony that he gave. This video is pretty raw. You're going to hear kids in the background. But I want you to hear the realness in, in what he says. If we can, let's take a, take a look at this video. Our good friends, Pete and Kim McGraw, who are doing this tonight, asked us to try Edinburgh Church about two years ago. We fell in love with Edinburgh and the messages that Pastor Brent, Josh, and the team at Edinburgh offer on Sunday mornings. Since I did not grow up going to church, I feel that I need a lot of education on the Bible and the messages that are discussed on Sunday mornings, and I'm learning a lot. I want to get to know the Bible more and learn how to be a better Christian. I look forward to growing more with Jesus in my heart and learning more about Edinburgh. One of the questions I was asked um, going through the membership and baptism classes is what impact on your has your relationship with Christ had on your life. I feel more at ease that God is with me and my family, especially during tough times. I love you, Cheryl, Nick, Danielle, and look forward to our next journey that life throws at us. I've seen God work wonders in the toughest times of our life, and having him in my life made me realize that he's in control. God continues to do amazing things for me and my family and has never given us more than we can handle in good times and in bad. We have had our share of struggles with finances, health situations, family deaths with my mom and dad over the past five years, and other life events, but my relationship with Jesus continues to grow as I get older and learn more about the sacrifices he gave for us. When Pastor Brent and Josh asked me to publicly talk about my journey, I was hesitant to openly talk in front of all you. I'm a fairly private person when it comes to God, but felt it in my heart to tell the story. Something really hit me two weeks ago when Pastor Brent was giving the sermon on the Brand New You series and talked about being stuck in the middle. I think I've been stuck in the middle for 55 years and now want to be out of the middle and I'm choosing a new life and willing to make the changes needed to become a better person. I have a lot to work on but feel that God has always been with, by my side. It's time for me to change my old ways and have a stronger relationship with God. I'm looking forward to the next chapter in my life and have waited 55 years for this day to get baptized. 
Thank you so much to my family and friends who came out today, my brother, my sister, his future wife, um, came out to, uh, with me on my new journey. I love you all and thank you. Can we join in that applause? I mean, for John. I mean, this is, friends, that's what I want you to hear. These are real people, <laughs> you know, with, with real sons, real daughters, real spouses, real parents. I mean, th these, are, these are friends. These are neighbors. And, and God is doing a work through this church. And you're a part of that. And I'm so thankful that you are. Jesus tells this story in, in Luke 15. He, in fact, he tells three stories that have to do with something that's lost. He, he talks about a, a woman who loses a coin. He talks about a, a shepherd who, who loses one of his sheep. And he even talks about a father who loses a son. And the, 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 the big overall idea is that these things that are lost, God, God supremely cares about them. In fact, talking about the shepherd and the sheep, Jesus says this. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he calls his friends and his neighbors and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there is more rejoicing in, in heaven over one lost sinner who returns to God than over 99 righteous persons who haven't strayed away. I just wonder if any of you feel like that this morning. You just feel a little alone. You feel a little lost. I just want you to hear that God loves you, and you don't even realize it. But he is hunting you down. Is that's the kind of God he is. He loves you. It was, I guess, five years ago now. No, it's more like seven years ago. Um, Danielle and I took our kids, Logan and Michaela, they were only three at the time, to, to downtown Macy's. I don't even think that Macy's is there anymore. But if, if you had ever been to that Macy's, you know it's huge. It was a giant Macy's connected to Skyways and all kinds of stuff. This was Christmas time, so it was super busy. We went because on the top floor they had like this Christmas display. And we were just fighting the crowds, trying to get through. Danielle had Logan, and I was responsible for Michaela. Again, three years old at the time. And we're walking through the crowds, trying to fight our way through, when all of a sudden I look down and I notice Michaela is not at my side. And so I start, you know, looking around, thinking she's got to be somewhere close by. Danielle notices that I'm starting to look around and that Michaela's not at my side. She says, what is it? I'm like, I'm sure she's around, honey. It's fine. I, she just, she, she disappeared. But we can't find her. And that's when the panic really started to, to set in. Again, busy downtown Macy's Skyways. I, I got to tell you, after searching for her for five minutes and, and not finding her, uh, I, I've probably never been more panicked in my life than I was in that moment. And so we started talking to other people. We started uh, asking store people to, to, to help us out. You got to help us find our daughter. She's somewhere lost. Uh, and, and, and she's going to be scared. Please help us out. And so then I remembered, though, there was kind of this store within a store in that, in that Macy's on their first floor. 
Uh, they sold Christmas stuff, and I, I knew they had candy there. Uh, and I just wondered, maybe, maybe she found herself, you know, uh, in, in the candy shop area. And so we went uh, over there, and sure enough, we walk into this other store, and I spot Michaela. And she is uh, visibly afraid and upset. She's, she can't find her mom. She can't find her dad. And I ran to her. And I wrapped her in my arms. And I kissed her. And I was so glad to have my daughter back in my arms and at my side. I told her, Michaela, I'm, <laughs> I'm never letting you go. You, you might as well kiss boys goodbye. I, it's... it's, it's <laughs> It's not going to happen. You start dating when you're in your 40s, but you are mine. And isn't it true, friends, when we lose something, someone that we love, there is no extent we will not go to. There is no length we will not go to to get that person back. That is our God. There is no extent he won't go through to win over your heart. That, that's the kind of God he is. And I know most of us in here, we're not at risk of, 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 of losing a child, having them kidnapped or anything like that. But all of us are at risk of losing someone eternally. Someone being separated from God eternally and then ultimately from us. And as bad as it is to be separated from someone here on earth it is far worse to be separated from someone for all eternity. We should be willing to have a, to do whatever we need to do to, to reach those who need to be reached. And we should have this almost wild panic in us until they're reached. Jesus goes on to tell a story about a wayward son who demands his inheritance from his father. And he, he takes it all, and we're told he squanders all of it. He squanders it on wild living, on prostitutes. And he eventually comes to his senses, but he thinks, my, my father will never forgive me for what I've done. He ran off, he's, he spent all of his money, and then he, he, he loses it all. And has to actually start helping to feed pigs just to make ends meet. And this is a big deal because this is in a Jewish context. Many of you know pigs were considered unclean animals. And so the fact that he's having to tend to pigs, I mean, this is humiliating, debasing. And that's what his life has succumbed to. And we're told he even longs to eat this very slop that the pigs are eating. That's how bad it's gotten. When eventually he just, he comes to his senses and says... I've got to go see my father. And so Jesus says this, um, tells this story. The boy says this. He says, I'll go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and, and he went to his father. And I just, I just wonder today, how many of you don't feel worthy of the father's love because of some past sin. Because of some kind of lifestyle choice, some kind of mistake, you know, that you made in your past. And, and you're thinking, God will never accept me. Not as a child. 
God could never forgive me and receive me as a son or daughter. That's this boy. He thinks there's no way his father will take him back as his son. But I want you to see verse 20. Because we get a picture of our father's heart. This is especially for those of us who, who, who think some sin would keep God from receiving us as his son or daughter. Listen to this. But while the boy was a long way off, his father saw him. While he's a long way off, his father sees him. It gives us this idea that, you know, the father has been scanning the horizon, waiting for this day to come. Waiting to see his boy's silhouette on the horizon. It says he saw him and he was filled with compassion for his son. He ran to his son. I love that. He ran to him. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. He ran. By the way, in that culture, this was unheard of that a father would, would lift his robes and run. And this is Jesus telling us who our father is, who our God is. He, he runs. He's, he's looking for that little turning in our heart, that softening in our heart. And as soon as he sees it, what does he do? He runs to us, us sinners. The father goes on to say, let's have a feast for the son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. Friends, nothing matters more than when a daughter or a son returns to God. And we're told when that happens, all of heaven explodes in celebration over one sinner. And friends, that's the heartbeat of our church. <laughs> we love it when people have that turn in their heart. And when they encounter God, when they find Jesus Christ, that's why we pray and that's why we give. That's why we plan worship services that inspire people. That's why we try to be relevant in our messages that hit people right where they're at in life. That's why we make updates to our building and our children's spaces. We do that because we want to welcome people who think church is boring and God is irrelevant. We want to reach them. We want to reach that person that thinks there's no way this God could love me or have anything to help me with in life. And I know some of you, you, you love inviting your friends. You love inviting family members to this place. And I know some of you don't raise any hands. You've been invited and you didn't want to come. We've seen your heel marks in the parking lot. But we care about those who need Jesus. That's our heartbeat. And, and oftentimes I'll have someone come and say, hey, pastor, I just want you to know uh, my, my, my son or my daughter is coming this week or my friend or my neighbor, I invited him, my coworker is coming and, and I've been praying for this person for two years and then they'll kind of give me this look like, so don't you screw it up. <laughs> Bring your best. And I want to promise you, that's my heart too. I want to bring my best because I don't want anything getting in the way of someone hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. It's our heartbeat. It's why we do what we do. Ultimately, so that someone could experience God's love just as they are. So their heart might soften and they might come into a relationship with God. 
There's a lot of exciting things happening here at Edinburgh that I could share with you, but um, it's just incredible to me what God is doing in our children's ministry and, and in our youth ministry. Last year, we saw our beginnings area, that's Tammy's area, uh, zero through kindergarten. It grew 18% downstairs in our beginning uh, discovery area. Uh, that, that grew 14%. Um, and we're seeing, so we're just, we're reaching a lot more young families. We're seeing a lot of kids come in. It's such an opportunity to tell these kids about Jesus. Uh, and, and, and one of the highlights sort of of what's happening here at Edinburgh isn't on Sunday morning. It's on Wednesday nights. And I know some of you, you've never been here on a Wednesday. But, uh, friends, we had over 160 kids in our Awana ministry last year. We now have over 190 kids in our Awana ministry this year. That's a lot of kids. Yeah, you can applaud that. Over 190 kids. It takes 82 volunteers on a Wednesday. That's, that's what we're, we got going on on Wednesday nights. We have, uh, Pastor Tyler just had 125 people crammed into his swap room two weeks ago in, in youth. Okay? God is bringing children. He's bringing youth to us. And you maybe have never been here on a Wednesday night to see what's going on and how God is using Edinburgh Church. I want you to watch this video so you can get a small glimpse of what Wednesdays look like around here. Um, I like the teachers. Um, I like that we learn about Jesus. And I like um, hearing the stories and I like getting the candy. Um, and I like the leaders. And I like doing um, story time. I like mostly all the things that we do in Nuwana. What do you like about Awana? Um, I like playing the games. Anything else? Um, I, I really like um, going and playing with my friends. How about the snacks? Yeah, those are good too. Swap because all my friends are here and I get to hang out with them every Wednesday. And Tyler's the coolest person ever. <laughs> and Tyler's the and because Devin's awesome. What? <laughs> I like Swap because it's a safe place to come and people will care about me. Yeah, Tyler and Mossy are super great and always lead us in the right path on our walk with God. Friends, that's just a small taste. <laughs> you imagine 192 kids. What an opportunity that is for us to just build up that next generation. You might think that that's normal. 
Let me tell you, that's not normal. Uh, we're in a day where many churches are having to close down their Iwana ministries. They don't have the resources. They don't have the volunteers. We're very fortunate that we're able to do this ministry that we're doing on Wednesday. But I do have to tell you, that's where we need your help. Uh, I need your help because we're running into some good challenges. And, and they're, they're challenges, but they, they're good challenges because it's opportunity. It's, it's God giving us opportunity to do ministry in incredible ways. Um, I, uh, as many of you know, we, we had a daycare that was meeting in the beginnings area where a lot of our Iwana ministry takes place. You know, you can imagine having a business, kids, meeting Monday through Friday all day on that side of the building. What just happened, the reason we had to kind of part ways with them, they just, they tore up that side of the building. And, and being here all week, we didn't have time to update and repair and do the things that we needed to do. Um, and so one of the things that we're going to need to do in the very near future is fix some floors and patch and skim coat and paint some walls. And I just want to show you real quick, like, what kind of conditions we're talking about is happening in our, uh, our, our beginnings area. Some of the flooring, we have, we have these, these interesting rust spots. Uh, you can see some of the floors just absolutely dirty and, and filthy, show you some of the walls, uh, how bad they've been banged up uh, over the last few years. Um, and I mean, you can see, it, unfortunately, this is where we're doing ministry for our kids. We want this to be a church where when you invite, you know, you're proud of your church. You're proud to invite someone to this church, and we want the best space possible for our children and, and for our youth. And so in order to, to fix floors in four of the rooms and, and to paint all the walls, it's going to cost $40,000 and, and that's church where I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, would you be willing to step up and help us to make these updates? Now, that's not all of it. Um, Pastor Tyler is also running into some good challenges as well. Uh, he is outgrowing his room. Some of you will remember last year we even extended the fire code. We extended it. Um, we took out some staging so they could get more people. He's already butting up against the new fire code. And so that's not so much of a problem because they'll start to be able to meet in here on their bigger nights here in the worship center. But the problem is their small group space. They don't have classrooms and places where these kids can meet. There's roughly 12 groups. And just to put it in perspective, the seventh grade girls group is 18 people large. All right. 18 people. That's, we need some more space. And so the, what we're thinking is we're either going to have to take a room and we're going to have to build some walls to create some more classroom space, or we're looking into these glass cubicle-type um, dividers that can help us create um, some, some classroom space that way. To do that project is going to cost us roughly about $20,000. So when we look at the 40 grand, we need to update the children's space and then uh, what we need to do to help Pastor Tyler have small group space. We're looking at a total of about $60,000. And here's where I'm asking you to be the church. Would you help me? Would you partner with Edinburgh so that we could raise $60,000 by January 1st, 2020? That means over the next three months, would you partner with us and help us to raise $60,000? Here's a breakdown of what that would look like. This is very achievable, church. We can do it. And 15 people could give between $1,000 and $5,000, somewhere in between there. I know some of you could do that. And again, I'm talking about on top of your regular giving. I know some of you could do that. It's for a good cause. Could 35 of you give between $500 and $1,000? 
Could 70 of us give between $250 and $500? And could 40 of us give between $50 and $250? If we did that, we would easily get to our, our 60K goal. We're calling this the Heart of the Father campaign. And I'm going to ask you to join me in it. Now, if you're a guest this morning, just hang with me for a couple more minutes as I talk to those of you who love this church and consider this your church home. I want you to see something that Jesus says. Jesus says this in Luke 6.38. He says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Friends, I don't understand all of this. I don't think Jesus here is just talking about financially, you know, receiving back financially. I don't fully understand it, but I do believe this, that when we give and when we're generous, God, he gives back to us in some way. That he gives back in a way that helps us to live a full life in Jesus Christ. And so this is a trust issue. And what I'm going to be asking is, would you consider just having, taking a step of faith and saying, God, I'm going to trust you in this, and I would be willing to give so that our children can have adequate space, so that our youth can have places to meet? Because is there another age that needs each other more than our youth in this world we live in? Would you be able and willing to trust God in that? That's what I'm going to ask us to do, church. Just take a step of faith and say, Jesus, we're going to do this for you, and we're going to do this for your kingdom. We're going to partner with this church that you love and where you're doing ministry. You know, 65 years ago, I'll end with this, there was a group of people who met together and they started praying because they wanted to see people come to know Jesus Christ. That small group has grown into this church today. And the reason this church is here today is because those individuals sacrificed, they gave, they served, so that we could have classroom space for our kids, so that we could have a swap space for our youth, and so there could be a seat for each one of us here. And now what I'm asking you to do is, would you partner with us? And would you be willing to be extra generous so that we can make sure those classroom spaces stay in good condition and so that we can have the ministry space for our youth? And so there can be the seat for that next person who comes into Edinburgh Church to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. I've got two challenges for you as we close. We're about to take our offering. We are behind budget right now. But if every one of us would be willing to go over and above our giving and give an extra $50, listen, we would catch up overnight. I know not all of you give through the offering plate. A lot of, most of us nowadays are giving online, phone, but I would just ask, would you remember to do that? And would you consider and pray to do that? Because if we would do that as a church, we will be caught up and we will be in good shape heading towards Christmas. And then the second challenge that I'm gonna give you is, would you make sure to grab one of the pledge cards? You can find it. It's in the seat back in front of every one of you. Um, You can grab that on your way out. Would you go home and would you start praying? If you're married, talk to your spouse about that and see if there's a number that's right for you and your family that you would be willing to give so that we can continue doing this ministry here at Edinburgh Church. Listen, it's not about the numbers. It's about seeing that next person, whether they're a kid, a youth, or an adult, come into this place and receive the good news of Jesus Christ. Will you join me in that Edinburgh?
That's my humble request. Join me as I pray for us. God, you're giving us opportunity, amazing opportunity. And I just want to ask humbly that you would let a spirit of generosity fall on this place, that we would step up to the plate and every one of us would be a part of this, whatever we can give, but that it would be a step of faith for us. And we wouldn't just do the easy thing or do what everybody else is doing, but God, we would say we want to continue seeing lives change in this place because we know it makes an eternal difference. It makes an eternal impact. We know your heart, Father, and we want to have that heart too. So help us, Lord, in this campaign. And if there's anyone out there today that needs to experience your love, I know you're running to them right now. I pray their hearts would open and they would receive what you have done for them through Jesus Christ. They would say, Jesus, I receive it. I receive you into my life and I want to follow you starting today. Now God, fill them with your spirit and help them do just that. We pray this in your name and all God's people said, amen. Hey, Pastor Brent here. Thanks for watching this Edinburgh Church message. We hope you found it encouraging, inspiring, and because of the message of Jesus Christ, ultimately life-giving. Hey, it's because of people just like you that we are able to do this ministry, which is why I want to encourage you to consider becoming a part of the Edinburgh Church Foundation, meaning to become a financial supporter of this ministry. I believe it is the greatest investment we can make seeing lives eternally changed. Uh, you can do that by giving in a one-time gift or even better, becoming an ongoing supporter. All you got to do is go to edinburghchurch.org and look for the Give tab in the top right corner. Thanks again for watching.